Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This this time. On Vet Story. On Vet Story. I mean, it's cool. Like all you mix, right? Because I mean, that kind of sounds like I'm, you know, at a bar hitting on you or something. Hey, thanks. How you doing? Hell yeah! I was actually in the medcom army, which is like the army, but not really the army. You never knew where the next shot was coming from, and by shot, I mean like (laughs) literally three ounces of booze. So I'm firing a 50 cal, like a mounted 50 cal, off of a Humvee. And the, the one dude is like, how the f*** did you do this? And I'm like, oh, that's my cue to leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, my weapon literally lives in my purse because I'm going to do everything in my power to take that person out. Gentlemen, for the record, stop saying that you rolled over and it just went up there. We know that's not how it happened. <laughs> Welcome to Vet Story. I'm your host, Phil Briggs, and today, this podcaster is going to meet another podcaster. She's an Army veteran. She's a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. How everyone who has ever tried to go against the Clintons has mysteriously died of suicide by, like, shooting themselves twice in the back of the head. (laughs) And they deem it a robbery gone wrong, but yet his phone is still on him, his watch is still on him, and his wallet is still on him. But it's a burglary gone wrong. Get out of here with that. <laughs> and she's one of the hosts of a podcast called Tied Up Tuesday on WTF Nation Radio. WTF Nation Radio. WTF Nation Radio. Hi, Lieutenant. How are you doing? Aw, did you find your LANAV point, Lieutenant? Good job, Lieutenant. You get a Expert Action Badge. Put on your uniform, right? Expert Action Badge. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tied Up Tuesday. I'm your host, Mink. Great cloud. Yeah, what, what's the matter? Uh, you look like a bearded Mr. Clean. <laughs> what happened? Have you undergone chemo recently? No, you can't have because your beard's still there. But your head looks like it's been waxed, man. He's been, he, he's been waiting to spring this on. You never realize. Right? Let's meet our spirited new friend, a podcaster that's always packing heat. So my name is Minx, and I am the assistant station manager for WTF Nation Radio. Minx. I've always wanted to talk to someone named Minx. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Well, I am good, and I welcome you to our podcast, Vet Story. Like I told you when we were getting set up for this interview, uh, I've come across this WTF Nation radio several times, and I've seen it actually shared on Twitter by some other people. Um, What the hell is WTF Nation radio? 
basically three years ago, it started with just two guys, um, Red Leg and Pie, and on, you know, like an old laptop. And it really was just uh, Red Leg's vision of reaching out to the veteran community. You know, for the longest time, it was just him broadcasting out seven nights a week. And, you know, it would be, uh, you know, current events or just, you know, talking and bullying. And um, people would call in and, you know, he'd bully with them. And like I said, it was in the very, very beginning, it was just this chat room where it was just a lot of veterans. It was almost like that sense of brotherhood that you, you really miss when you get out. And so you kind of felt you found it again. And that's really what really, really drew me to WTF Nation Radio. Right on. Let let me ask. You talk about when you got out and it's the brotherhood you kind of miss. And I think that that's I, I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people don't understand and maybe is responsible for why some people have some challenges making the transition because mm-hmm. they're so used to being able to hang with the Brotherhood every single day and they live together and they work together and then they get back to their hometown and they're kind of like, I don't know any of you people. You, some of you people are idiots and you annoy me. Um, yeah. You know, where are my people at? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love the fact that you guys, um, you're filling that void. Talk to me real quick. Who were you before you joined WTF? You were in, I want to say, I looked at your bio and you were Army Medic? Yeah. Is- I was. Um, so I was in, I was actually in the MedCom Army, which is like the Army, but not really the Army. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I say that because I was in the, I, work, I worked in the hospital um, for 10 years. So I was a surgical tech in the Army. So I never had to go to the field. I worked in a temperature-controlled environment every single day. It was amazing. I'd go to the range, you know, every so often. I never, like, you know, like I said, I never had to go to the field. I don't know what a motor pool is. I've never been to one. Uh, I loved how your bio said you didn't know what this thing called formation is either. Yeah, exactly. Like, one of my favorite stories that I love telling, like, this is how ridiculous MedCom is the hospital a lot of us are shift workers right and so some of our shifts uh, are you know 24 7 and so we have people that cover different areas of the hospital you know they've got to be manned and staffed at all hours so i was stationed in california and we were at a pt formation and i was not able to do pt because i had to go open up my clinic first thing in the morning so I was unable to do PT. So I show up in ACUs and I'm the only, and I'm just an E4 at the time. And I'm the only one in my platoon that shows up. So I have to give report to the first sergeant. I do the proper report. I know what I'm doing, right? So right. I salute and I'm like, you know, first sergeant, specialist, you know, mink reporting, uh, one accounted for, I don't know where anyone else is, and I don't know how many are supposed to be in this platoon. And then I drop my salute, and he just starts laughing. <laughs> He's like, go away. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's a perfect example of MedCom. And that was one of your first tastes of what this duty station would be like. Yeah, 
It was was great. Well, I kind of like hearing that because I do work with some guys uh, that, you know, are real warriors. Uh, You know, I got a guy that was in 101st Airborne, another another guy that was in tanks, work with another colleague that was in Helmand Province. And I was a photojournalist. So similar to Mm -hmm. your medical experience, um, you know, we... uh, I, I wasn't really tip of the spear, man. I, I, I was on an aircraft carrier, um, nice climate-controlled mm-hmm. environment, uh, plenty of meals. Right? They, you know, they even served like a special meal at midnight called Midrats. It was very nice. <laughs> so if I was, uh, you know, up late or something, you know, get a little snack before I went to bed. <laughs> you make it sound like you're a hobbit, like second breakfast, 11 Z, <laughs> afternoon tea. <laughs> it, it really was horrible. So then, you know, all these guys start trading all these combat stories and war stories and stuff. And I'm just like, boy, I got nothing. And I'm, you know, the only thing I can say is, uh, well, you know, the, the, the Battle of St. Martin back in 97 was pretty, you know, lost a lot of good men out there. <laughs> And he's like, what the hell do you mean? You know, my colleague's like, what the hell do you mean lost a lot of good men? And I'm like, well, I mean, we were at the bar, and when we went to leave, I could not find them. So I'm, right? it was a head on a swivel, man. You never knew where the next shot was coming from. And by shot, I mean, like, literally three ounces of booze. Like- so I'm glad to see you yeah. fought the good fight, too. Thank you very much for the I mean, service. You know, yeah, no, thank you as well. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I did deploy. I, oh, my God. It took me forever to actually go downrange. And that was with me volunteering to go. And, like, I was trying to get downrange. I finally got down there. And, of course, I'm stuck on a fob because, again, you don't really need surgical techs beyond the wire because there's no point in that. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. there's just no point. Uh, but one of my favorite uh, deployment stories is, is that I had made I had managed to make friends with some of the special operations guys on my uh, fob. Sure. And they took us outside the wire to go fire some weapons. And so that was fun. So I'm firing a 50 cal, like a mounted 50 cal off of a Humvee. For the first time in my entire military career, like I have never fired this weapon before in my life. Right. And they're just like, just squeeze the trigger. Okay. Well, somehow I jammed three rounds into the chamber. And the, the one dude is like, how the f*** did you do this? And I'm like, oh, that's my cue to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so I like climb out the turret and run away. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Sorry, I broke your weapon. <laughs> Thanks for letting me play with your guns, guys. They're very cool. Right? Yeah, they're like, we'll see if she ever comes back again. <laughs> right? They're like, this over here. <laughs> That's awesome. At the bottom of my heart, I got a true respect for everybody that went over there, regardless of your job. You could have been a mess cook. You could have been a surgical tech. Very, very commendable and um, very cool, man. You come back with some... Stories that most people will never have because, you know, certainly in this day and age with the gun debate, um, how many people have ever actually shot a 50 cal or at least jammed one up? I mean, that's one right? hell of a gun. That's crazy. It was amazing. Ah, oh, they had so many fun toys to play with. Like I got to fire because uh, they were a Marsoc unit. So I got to fire off a of Carl Gustav as well. That was fun. I couldn't oh, cool. hear out of my right ear for like five minutes. Because, you know, it made a really loud boom as it fired. So I was oh, like, yeah. I can't hear it. <laughs> All right. That's really cool. Your background sounds awesome. 
WTF Nation from humble beginnings around a beat-up laptop and two guys just taking phone calls yeah. start this online community. Can I ask where you guys are based out of? We actually, we've got people everywhere. We've got people on East Coast, Texas, Central, uh, West Coast now. Like, really, the only place we don't have people would be Alaska and Hawaii. Like, we even have someone over in England right now. I just, I have to be entertaining. That's all I know. I and you drink while you're on the air, right? Is that true? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just guessing because I, I heard a reference to it on the show that you did a couple right around Valentine's Day. Happy International Whiskey Day with enough time sure. so I can then go to the bar and uh, order a round or two or three uh, before I have to board the plane. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. But, but now it, here's the question. Are you the type that they just sit there and go, oh, she's going to go lay down and go to sleep in the chair? Or are you the one that they're going, okay, are we going to have to kick her off? <laughs> I hold it together. Well, I love it. I love it either way. I mean, I only wish I could be drinking right now because, you know, <laughs> what time is it now we're recording this? It's like one in the afternoon. No, no, it's fine because you can't day drink if you don't start drinking during the day. <laughs> And it really is the best kind. I mean, forget that late <laughs> at night stuff. I date, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of your favorite subjects that you guys have tackled recently? Uh, do you guys get political at all? Do you guys get current eventsy, or is it all just kind of guests and sort of like light stuff? Or I mean, talk to me. What are some of your we, favorite subjects to rap about? Uh, sometimes we do, in fact, get political. Uh, we do cover current events, and um, I, I host two shows, so I host. Tuesdays and Friday nights and um, my shows are mostly current events and so I'll go over like you know news articles for the day every so often I might throw in a conspiracy theory because I just find them fascinating oh I love yeah and the people that really embrace them and get passionate about them I love those crazy bastards I love that yeah oh no seriously like the one that I'm all about is the hill Clinton one, like seriously, I'm all for it. Like that one completely makes sense to me. It, it, go ahead but. and expound on that. If in case you just joined us and you don't know what she's talking about, go ahead and expound a little bit on that on that conspiracy theory. Oh my God, no! How everyone who has ever tried to go against the Clintons has mysteriously died of suicide by like shooting themselves twice in the back of the head. <laughs> oh, it's amazing! It's amazing! Oh, and like they've got this whole list of like people where it's happened to like robberies gone wrong but nothing's been like taken you're like mm, something's wrong here could happen so, i mean i'm just saying right i mean if you really were having a bad day you reach around behind your but, head and you know. i mean i guess but you know it's considered <laughs> but i mean like the one dude the one dude who was a staffer who was gonna go testify against her and then all of a sudden he gets shot in the back of the head twice and they deem it a robbery gone wrong, but yet his phone is still on him, his watch is still on him, and his wallet is still on him. But it's a burglary gone wrong? Get out of here with that. <laughs> and what was so funny is it was a local news story here in Washington, D.C. And as, you know. as quick as it surfaced, it seemingly disappeared. I mean, there was no, right? you know, seven on your side looks into this. I mean, no one did any follow up on that junk. And I was like, 
wow, that's I mean, they'll follow up they'll follow up a gas station they think is selling like, you know, bad sushi and they'll do a sting operation just to catch the guy. But there's a murder and the I team never looks past the initial reporting of it. I, right? I think you're onto something, Minx. I'm, te- I'm telling you, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Okay, WTF Nation. We are we are the uh, we are the actionable action investigative reporters. I like it. Yeah. What are, what are other storylines that are interesting you? Let me ask you because um, we can't get away from this gun control and gun ownership. I mean, here we are, you know, framed by these ongoing tragedies that are in the news. And I think we can all agree that school shootings are absolutely horrific. But how does that make you feel as a veteran, as a gun owner? Are we looking at getting rid of guns or saying it's the AR-15's fault? Or are we looking at trying to mitigate the situation in schools with, like, metal detectors? Mm. What do you think should happen? I think teachers, teachers who want... To conceal carry should be allowed to conceal carry. Obviously, like, you know, if they don't want to, don't force them. But if those that want to should be able to. One, that's that's number one. Number two, hell yeah, let's arm some vet like let's put some veterans in the schools. Especially those who know what to look for. Get them in the schools to help like with security, especially if the police force is having a hard time staffing schools as like school resource officers or whatever, get some veterans in there. Define veteran for me. Are we talking like, are we talking like maybe young Iraq, Afghanistan veteran, late twenties, early thirties, or are you talking like, uh, you know, is it in your mind's eye permissible and plausible that we use a Vietnam era vet who might be anywhere from 50, 60, 70 years old? I mean, is there a kind of vet you think would be best? Honestly, I, I think any that would be willing to protect the kids, whether it be Vietnam, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, hmm, okay. uh, Iraq, Afghanistan. If they if they want to take it upon themselves to go and help protect the kids at these schools, then they should be allowed to do it. And I would imagine along with that, then you feel like other protections for schools, too, like maybe metal detectors, maybe not such a bad idea. I mean, we're cool with it at airports. How about schools? And and that's just it, though. Like a lot of these inner, especially these inner city schools already have metal detectors. If they've already got them, maybe we should bring them out to not inner city schools. Now, what do you say to the people that are like, oh, well, you'll scare the children? People don't want to feel like they're going into an unsafe space with a metal detector. Um, probably tell them to, I don't know, man the f*** up and let them realize that the world is not a safe space. And that eventually, at some point in time, their kid is going to be exposed to the fact that the world is not a safe space that if they flip on the news at any point in time, it's going to be very evident and thrown into their face. The world is not a safe space. Mm, okay. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about preserving innocence and in children to a certain point. But at some point in time, you are going to have to, in fact, pop that little bubble and let them know, hey, the world is not all sunshine and rainbows. There are bad people out there who want to actually hurt you 
or do harm or cause mayhem or cause terror. Mm, yeah. And, you know, and the sole reason that they're doing this is because they want to. There is no other reason. They just want to. And you can't do anything to stop them. You can't talk to them. You can't reason with them. They want to do it simply because they want to. You know, my kids are in elementary school. Um, and mm-hmm. they look at guns and they look at <clears throat> officials with badges and, you know, guns and protectors um, as community helpers. And my daughter in particular, first mm-hmm. grade, you know, she sees uh, an armed guard um, in an airport recently. And she didn't feel any threat. She was like, look, daddy, there's a community helper. And mm-hmm. it was ingrained in her that like that guy with that gun and that badge standing there in the corner watching over everybody with the kind of serious look on his face. You know, it didn't freak her out. And I just wish that yeah. maybe more of the student generation today saw these people as protectors with the same innocent eyes as my first grader does. But I think they've yeah. grown up to become teenagers and young adults with this perception that, you know, everybody with a gun is, and even law enforcement is bad and they might be coming after you. And, you know, that just makes everybody feel uncomfortable when... When the reality is, I'd rather see, you know, some guy over there in the corner with a buzz haircut and, you know, a sidearm watching over the airport yeah. as I walk by. He makes me feel good. Exactly. And, you know, um, and as far as, like, the weapons or, like, gun control or whatever, I'm completely against gun control. Um, I carry every single day. Uh, I And, you know... I work in a hospital and technically there's signs everywhere that say like, you know, don't bring your firearms in here, uh, you know, gun free zone. And I just kind of ignore it. And I just walk into work anyway, wow. uh, because again, well, you know, if you think about it, all these shootings happen in gun free zones. And I know eventually at some point in time, one of these days, one of these locations that's going to be a mass shooting is going to be a hospital. Mm. Why it hasn't happened yet, I don't know. And like a lot of people I work with, again, this is Texas, a lot of people I work with do the same thing. And we've talked about it at work and how, you know, we're, we're all kind of surprised how more hospitals don't actually get shot up. Because again, it is, they, hospitals are considered gun-free zones. And very and, soft um, target. Yeah, very soft target. Most hospitals don't have security personnel. If, or if we do, they, you know, we've got one or two. And that's it. Yeah, and they're massive and, buildings, too. I mean, ma- I mean, you're talking yeah. five, six, seven stories and wings in all directions. I mean, you know, they're on large acre campuses. I mean, it's got to be tough yeah. to guard all the entry points and all the different... Yeah, so um, that's fascinating. Now, do you keep up on your training? Yeah, every so often. And then um, a couple of the docs that I work with, they live out on, like, some a lot of land, and they actually have, like, a range in their backyard, and we'll go shoot back there. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So... Suffice to say, you're a responsible owner, though. Like, you know how to use it. Yeah. You know which end goes bang. You know safety. You know how to keep it locked and, and, and stuff. Do you keep it locked up at work, like in your personal locker or, you yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's in my locker. It's locked up. 
no one um no one knows that it's in there uh save for like two people that i actually trust sure and mostly because i know that they also have weapons in their lockers as well and so and like we've all said like you know if anything goes down i've already told them like you know hey i'll take off my badge you go like here's my locker number go grab it it'll be in my purse (laughs) (laughs) and then we will bunker down the room I love Texans. Because you guys are you you guys as a as a state just are kind of you guys are kind of badasses. In DC, <laughs> that would sound so that would be so crazy in my like you know where I'm from now. Um, you know, if you told somebody I got a gun in my locker, they might go, "Oh my, what? What if it goes <laughs> off?" <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, like yeah, this like honestly, my weapon literally lives in my purse and it's never, you know, gone off on its own. Now, to that, you bring up the good point that is also part of this debate, and that is, you know, do we blame the the weapon? Do we blame the gun? And while I think I know where you're going to go with this, I just want to ask, what do you say to those, or what do we say to those that feel as though this AR-15 is just too much firepower, that, that really even good sportsmen and good target shooters and folks that just want to have some fun on a range don't necessarily need 30 mags, and we don't need the gun that looks like the big scary gun? Um, does, does that make any sense to you or do you see any legitimacy to the, to the, you know, moms and dads that say that? The reason why the AR-15 is so popular is because it's so easy to modify it and to customize it to how you want it to look like and how you want it to feel when you hold it. That's why it's so popular is because you can virtually design it to be specifically yours. And with that, you're talking uh, about modifications to the stock, to the barrel, to the you could yeah. put a scope. You could put a um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, and you can real. Oh my god, you can make them look so badass. <laughs> they look scary, um, though. They look scary. Isn't that the gun we should uh, be? Isn't that the gun that legislation should take steps though to get people away from because it is semi-auto? No, not at all. I mean, um, you know, like it. So I just saw the new movie the new Bruce Willis movie Death Wish okay and so at uh towards the end there's a scene where he fires a weapon and it's fully auto like he pulls the trigger and it's praise and praise right and in my head I'm like uh one illegal because it's fully automatic one like this is not even legal coming out of a gun store two this is Chicago not legal, but yet, you know, it's a movie, so I'll let it slide. So, like, we've got, you know, these movies that are glorifying this, but then our legislation is like, oh, you know, this scary weapon. But Hollywood is over here glorifying these hmm. scary weapons. So I'm confused as far as to society's double standards. If we're going to be talking like, you know, oh, scary, like guns are scary and we shouldn't have them at all, then why are we glorifying them? You know, but me personally, I fully think if people want to have AR-15s, they should totally have one. I want one. Let me ask you this. And I ask you this particularly because, you know, you are a woman that understands weapons. You own one. You, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are packing. Um, would it make sense to reasonable gun owners to have at least some sort of, like, database that everybody nationally goes into so you can tell if, like, I don't know, um violent offenders, felons, people that have spousal abuse charges and things. 
Could we responsibly integrate a database where we make it difficult for certain people to buy guns? There already is one, though. And the thing is, though, is that it's the FBI's job to keep that database up to date and uploaded. And it's the federal government's job and like different federal agencies jobs to keep that database uploaded. So that way, when people do go to gun shows and do go to gun stores and do go to legally purchase these firearms, and when they do submit these applications and there is that three day wait while there is that background check, they're doing that background check to make sure that there is no prior history of any sort of like domestic violence charge or any sort of like spousal abuse charge or any sort of felony or any sort of previous red flags mm, okay. or potential red flags. There already is that system in place. The fact, though, that there's a bunch of agencies that are letting the ball drop. Case in point, so that, that shooting that happened in Texas, uh, where that kid was in the Air Force, and he went and shot up the church. God bless. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. He, he was dishonorably discharged from the Air Force for domestic violence. The United States Air Force dropped the ball and did not submit his name to the FBI to be added to that database, which is why he was legally allowed to purchase that firearm. Mm. If they had done, if the Air Force had done their job and submitted his name, he would not have been able to purchase that firearm. You're saying, you know, enforce the laws we got. We don't necessarily yeah. need to pile a whole bunch of new ones on. No, we, we need to enforce the ones that we actually have, you know, and, and you know, and um, I'm actually looking at becoming a member of the NRA and, you know, the NRA doesn't like these mass shootings like this is bad business for them. They don't want this. The, NR the NRA wants background checks. The NRA wants responsible gun owners. The NRA wants good people to own guns. They don't want insane people to own guns right. because again it'll look bad for them yeah. that's bad business mm. well i really like hearing it from you i love to hear your take on this and it's something i'm asking a lot of my veteran brother and sisters over the next several weeks and months as we get further into 2018 uh, because i think every single one of you guys brings up an, an interesting perspective because we're a diverse country we live in different areas we have different rules state wise but for the most part our american experience is all kind of similar we're working our jobs we're going from day to day we're trying to you know get to the hospital to home have a little fun on the weekends and i think that our interpretation of what is fair and what is an appropriate response to this gun debate is as diverse as we are and while yeah. we share similarities in living in you know different cities um, our opinions are radically different, and whenever I see them lump together a hashtag that says vets for something or vets this and vets that, it always kind of boggles my mind because we're not a uniform voice. We are all individuals, and I learn from each one of you guys every single time I ask this yeah. question. So so thank you for sharing candidly with me. And, uh, uh, oh, of course. You know, that is so cool about the hospital. I, 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 I know yeah. that if I were in your hospital, I would feel safe, not just because of the extremely good medical care, because somewhere there's a minx in a hallway that's packing. <laughs> I'm super protective, you know, not just like my radio family, but especially my patients, especially when they're on my operating room table, like they're m my responsibility. And so, 
you know, if, if, if a threat were to come to my hospital, like I pity whoever it was who would try to come and harm my patient because I'm going to do everything in my power to take that person out. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, on a, on a final note, speaking of your patients, um, I always like asking this to anybody that works in the medical industry and, and especially you who works <laughs> in the surgical industry, what's the weirdest thing you've seen taken out of somebody? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I mean, okay, so obviously there have been the dildos. Gentlemen, for the record, stop saying that you rolled over and it just went up there. We know that's not how it happened. <laughs> stop saying it. Really? They come at you with an excuse? I mean, I guess so. They're embarrassed. Oh, yeah. My, yeah, okay. oh my God. The excuses are the best part, though. They're, like Some of them will say, oh, my girlfriend must have been using it and left it on the bed, and I rolled over, and it went inside of me. And it's just like, that's not how it works, but if that's your story, honey, okay. Or another guy uh, said that he sat down on the couch and it just went inside of him. And it's like, well, why were you sitting down naked? <laughs> like, why are you naked? Like, what's going on right now? Um, but let's see. I've pulled out a, uh, a bowling pin. Like a, um, like a life-size bowling pin or like a miniature bowling yeah. pin? Yeah. No, a life-size one. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then the, the worst one, though, was a uh, glass peanut bar- butter jar. Um, wow. so, so for those of you who don't know, your large intestine has negative pressure in it, right? Which means if you shove something up far enough, it's going to get sucked up there and it's not going to come back out. <laughs> um, so what had happened was, is this person had unscrewed the lid of this peanut butter jar right and then put the opening up first huh and so when we went to get the jar out every time we would pull on it his intestines were coming out with it because of the suction so what we ended up having to do was like drill a hole to like equalize the pressure and then we got it out but then we had to like make sure we got all the glass out as well (laughs) And I take it there was no peanut butter in this jar at the time. So it's like. No, no. Because right. my next question yeah. was, was it like, you know, smooth or was it with nuts? Was it, was it like chunky? <laughs> I think it was creamy. <laughs> this has really been one of my favorite interviews. Can I, can I oh, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> I am inspired. I was concerned. And then at some point I was almost scared. Uh, it kind of covered a whole <laughs> range of emotions. Very Good. cool. <laughs> Minx, we are WTFNationRadio.com. Tell me when you're on again. All right. So we are on six nights a week. Uh, the only night we don't broadcast is Wednesday night. And we start broadcasting at 20 hundred or 8 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, so we have a show, again, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday night. And each show is different, and it's put on by different people. And it's just it's a good time for everyone to come and just hang out. And you learn something new every day. All right, on that note, we will wrap it up. 
I want to thank Minx and everybody at WTF Nation Radio. I'm Phil Briggs, and I'll look twice before I sit down on the couch. And I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Vet Story. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.